He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to The Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin. Today, joined by my good buddy, somebody who I don't speak to often enough. Uh, Somebody's at the front door. (laughs) It's not me. It's not me. I'm not at your door. I had no idea we were doing this in person. Matt Moore. Lakers, Lakers, Lakers fans heard that I was going on the podcast and came to your home to try and stop this. Yeah. Though, I mean, just based on the way that my 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 mentions usually look, there's always somebody. Yeah. Like that protest, actually, they they did it at the wrong place. It was supposed to take place in my front yard. Sure. Um, <laughs> they, sure. they, they got the wrong directions, went to Staples Center instead. Um, yeah, Matt, how you doing, bud? I'm good, man. I'm enjoying the off season. Um, I've had, off season. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it has been like, you know, look, the KD thing once summer league was nice, right? Because we all go yeah. out for summer league and we're hanging with most of us and we're hanging out there <laughs> and you get word from talking to people that you're like, Oh, the Nets thing is not going to get resolved. Ain't it? Like it's not going to be yeah. tomorrow or next week or it's like, it's, this is going to drag. Yeah. And once that happens, especially I'll also say this, if you, if you've done this for a while, like I have, you do mm-hmm. get the sense of like, look, man, you can't, you cannot let your life be dictated by waiting for these decisions to come because you're not part of that decision and you can't live your entire life at the, at the randomness of how the NBA works. So you just yeah. kind of have to separate yourself and be like, no, I'm, I'm taking my time. So took a nice vacation in North Carolina, hung out on the beach, shout out, Emerald Isle uh, had a great time there. It was awesome. It was one of the best vacations I've ever had. Uh, I'm back and I'm ready to work. And I'm, I did a whole deep dive on the Houston Rockets, which made my eyes bleed. And <laughs> uh, I'm doing a whole thing on win totals. I pulled a bunch of data, which was somehow better than watching a lot of Alperin Shangun's offense. And like all these type of things are, are happening. And I'm excited. I'm honestly, I'm thrilled for the NBA season to get back. It's still two months away, but I'm excited for it. Schedule comes out next week. Um, and so while this net stuff continues to be net stuff, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about and not, you know, especially a full off season yeah. for everybody, players, media, coaches, GMs, everybody, I think is very healing uh, and <laughs> setting us up for what should be a great season next year. Yeah. I thought towards the end of last season that we had reached a point where everybody had been talking for too long, right? Like Twitter was especially nasty from fan base to fan base and, yeah. and, and from media member to media member. And I felt like that was a result of like two and a half straight seasons played back to back to back. You know, it's funny. You, um, you texted me, I think two years ago, you texted me and were like, are you okay? <laughs> and you were actually very helpful in that. You were the one that got me over the hump to realize like I had a problem in March mm. and April because I would get so into work and so stressed and trying to stay on top of so many things. And so in the discourse, which of yeah. course can, can be toxic, I think there's good things about it. Like I like being on Twitter. It's fun. Yeah. You win it too much and you just get so many bad things that are aggravating thrown at you that like well, this year I did a really good job of like keeping myself separate and keeping myself in a good mental place and being like, 
I'm not going to work right now. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to touch grass. And yeah. I did like this year, I was a lot healthier for managing that. While it seemed like a lot of the, the NBA internet world was, was, as you said, burning down in toxicity. Well, I'm happy to hear that I, I helped in my small way. And yeah, I think, I think generally speaking, social media, it, it has this way. It's funny. I was just talking. My, my parents are in town. And by the way, today we aren't going to talk about this all the whole time. We're going to talk about player empowerment and whether Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, AD have ruined it for everybody. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but, are, but you? I, are you? Are you? Mostly. A little bit. But uh, yeah, my, my, my dad is in town and he's retired. So he like has nothing other than his phone to, to like just constantly yep. get it, keep his brain going. And, um, you know, I asked him the other day, we were picking up dinner and he was talking about foreign politics and stuff like this. And, and I was just, why do you, I understand why you care because a lot of his money is tied up in the market and his market is very volatile right now. And when you're retired and that's the only place that you're getting any revenue from, I can understand why you'd be interested in it. But I was like, we have no control over it. We have, you know, and I think it's so easy with social media to, to, to do the same kind of thing where I have no control over when Joe Sy says enough is enough with Kevin Durant. <laughs> right. I have, right. I have nothing to, you know, the, the day that uh, Rob Polinka finally decides to include the second first round pick that is per perfectly reasonable to, to include in any kind of a trade to move Russell Westbrook. Uh, I have no control over that. And, and so <laughs> At the same, at, while all this is going on, we're all just kind of left here, stuck to, to yell at each other and, and try to, well, right. no, Lakers fans screaming at me, no, they shouldn't have to give up two first round picks to, to get back Miles Turner and, and Buddy Heald. Have you seen how many games those guys have played? And, and uh, Nets fans screaming back at me when I say that I think the Lakers are fine to wait out, wait this out. No. Have you seen how good Kyrie is when he's playing? And it's just like, well, we can all just smoke a little weed. Just take it easy. Right. <laughs> Back up a little bit and, and enjoy our time here a little bit. But um, I guess that's a, that offers us the segue to talk about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. The latest reports today from Shams Karania being that Durant and Cy, Joe Sai actually met. They met sometime last week. I was kind of surprised that we didn't get any details over the weekend. Pleasantly surprised because it was my daughter's birthday. Uh, they waited for the Monday uh, after all of the, the meeting and all that stuff to, to start talking and leaking about what's going on. Um, the latest update right now is that Durant reiterated his trade request, said that I still want to be moved. Um, now he has upped the ante to, I want to be moved unless you are willing to fire Steve Nash and you are willing to fire Sean Marks. Um, and look, I've, I've heard all summer that, uh, LeBron James is, uh, has a lot less confidence in Rob Polinka and, and, uh, the direction of the Lakers under him. So, the the reason I brought that that correlation in here is because, you know, this is this is now three stars, I guess two stars who are doing this hands on who actually have the sway, and then both of those stars have partnered up with a co star who think they have power over the organization that I don't think they actually have, as evidenced by Kyrie Irving um, <laughs> not getting an extension 
and Anthony Davis, anytime he gives some kind of an opinion, you immediately get a link that the opposite is true of that. So uh, LeBron and Palenka, uh, Kevin Durant and Sean Marks have been kind of at odds with each other, even though Palenka and Marks have basically existed to do what LeBron and uh, Kevin Durant have wanted their organizations to do. And we find ourselves at this junction where, hey, at some point this was going to happen if these moves that stars have wanted to be made keep keep falling on their face eventually that the the organization is going to say hey we should maybe stop making those moves um and and even while that's going on these players are now angry at the moves for not working out when yeah. they weren't the right moves to make in the first place so that's where we currently stand and my question to you matt is whether you think this is kind of the beginning of the end of the star empowerment era, not the player one. Um, player empowerment, I'm fine with, but the star empowerment is what I think we're kind of running up against here. I think the, the league is okay with s players across the board uh, being treated a certain way and, and, and keeping a mind or keeping an eye on on some of their mental health and and how best to to make that work their physical health and how best to make that work but the star empowerment that a lot of times tramples the the role players and the non-stars of the league that's the one that I think we're kind of we're hitting the end of so not to go into a whole first off in the beginning I just spoke for like 5 straight minutes yeah, so yeah. you go you can monopolize all you want not not to do like a whole like first in the beginning of time man was <laughs> so Big right, maybe not that long. The Big Bang <laughs> happened. And then, um, but if you go back and you read some of the books that are great um, about the history of the league, uh -huh. one thing that will actually kind of surprise you is that David Stern was the first commissioner to recognize that players were the product, that players, yeah. that stars were what drove the league, that it wasn't going to be like the NFL which was driven by team support, loyalty, et cetera. It was going to be driven by players and their mm -hmm. unique singular talents because it was bird and magic took the lead to a new level. And then Jordan parlayed that into the nineties. Right. So we're yeah. going now on third on three decades, a fourth decade now of the players being increasingly more and more empowered and luxuriated and yeah. all of these types of things. And so I think I don't see it ending because the competition will always be so fierce and the players are not going to go back. Like one thing that's been talked about uh, as like a nuclear option for the owners in what is everyone kind of thinks is going to be a lockout situation. I'm a little skeptical of that because it's not about the money. It's about pride and money always comes before pride with the owners. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's kind of been mentioned is like, okay, so you don't want to be held to your contract. Here's an idea. We'll just make all the contracts non-guaranteed. Yeah. How about that? And of course, like the, the players union is never going to like, that's a non-starter. Right. So, so I think what you're going to see probably is the generations that are coming up are going to watch all this. And they're probably going to look at themselves and say, I don't want a career like this is sad, but I don't want a career like Kevin Durant. I want a career like Steph Curry. I want a career like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, look at those guys. Those guys are happy and seem like excited to do their jobs and are awesome and win titles and yeah. are hooked to a franchise. And 
no one ever talks about like is it worth it like no one is ever like boy i don't know is it worth it to keep steph like that's yeah. not even like steph could be the most annoying individual on the planet so he could be Kyrie, and then <laughs> the warriors would still be like well it's worth it because it's steph curry because he's better yeah. than Kyrie irving but he's not yeah, like, you get the best of both worlds with Steph Curry and Giannis Antetokounmpo. You get the best of both worlds with a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic is one of these guys. You don't have to worry about this stuff. And so I think it, that young players coming up as they come into their own, I think it. I mean, and some of this depends, right? Like who, who do you run with? Who who influences you? Yeah. Do you sign with Clutch Sports? Is is a relevant question in this conversation? Like mm-hmm. that's a lot of it, right? And so. I think we'll probably see some limits. Like I think the nets are the, and the nets were always designed this way. Like when KD and Kyrie took over and they really did, like they didn't like all the reports where they didn't consult with the nets. They just announced it. And then the nets were like, I guess we're getting KD and Kyrie <laughs> figure this out. Yeah. And so when they, when they took over and it was and look, always, it was always to, built. Go ahead. We should, we should also like say if that, as that is the case about Brooklyn, that, uh, Sean Marks was able to facilitate this and have assets after the fact to have those guys and improve the roster. Pretty good like, you, 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 you made this point on Twitter, and I think it's worth repeating. Everybody thought Marks was really, really good at this, and then Kyrie showed up, right? Yeah. Like, everybody... <laughs> Like, this I is why I'm. We talked. We, talk, we, talk, we talk, I'm. I'm. Oh, I'm, I'm just. Ooh. I was in a good place when we started this podcast, and now I'm back in it. So. Oh my bad. No, it's fine. It's fine. I need to get. This Do out. I need to text you? Are you okay? I need to get this. I need to get this out. So. I, we talk about the discourse. There's just there's people on Twitter that are just like, well, you know, I mean, I think Mark told some response. No, what are you yeah. talking about? Like yeah. everyone was like, Sean Marks is really great at his job. Wow, what a great job. Rebuilding from nothing with no picks. Look what yeah. they built. And then Kyrie shows up. And now, now and then they do what they want, and it's his fault? <laughs> it's his, because if you, and it's like, well, he should have said no to him. If he says no to him, then they're mad and want to We arrive at this anyway. <laughs> because they don't, because he doesn't do what they want. Yeah. Like no, this is ridiculous. The part and, of the part of like the, the 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 player empowerment again, it should be the star empowerment. That's the that's the name of the thing yeah. that we're talking about right now. But the thing with the star empowerment conversation that I've always kind of laughed at is everybody who always takes the side of the star here would absolutely hate being involved in an organization that operates in the way that they want that I mean, organization look, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, to operate. Yeah, and we're talking about the star empowerment versus player empowerment because there's other players involved. Like, look, I'll yeah. be honest with you. Like, this is my big issue, honestly, with the AD situation mm-hmm. is that Drew Holiday and a bunch of other players on that Pelicans roster were coming off of a real chance to make some noise, thought that their careers were trending up. Yeah. And when AD did what he did, which... I wouldn't say it's within his right game based on the fact that he was under contract, et cetera. But when they, they went the clutch route, those other players suffered for that. Like Drew Holiday yeah. lost a chance of competing in the playoffs, which he would absolutely want because mm-hmm. of this. And it's like, well, you can't look out for those. Like, you got to look out for yourself. Okay. I, it's okay. We, we cannot be subservient to employers and still be like, I should, be a good teammate, coworker, etc. Yeah. We can still have consideration for how my actions impact other people. And yeah. there's never been any of that. Like Patty Mills is just like along for the ride right now, which I don't <laughs> know why you resign, but like along for the ride. And like yeah. Nick Claxton, 
promising young player trying to make his way in the league. Doesn't know if he's going to be playing on a championship contender or a rebuilding tank job. Like, yeah, all these guys are, and and that's beyond. Those are players that at least have guaranteed contracts for millions of dollars. That's below. That's beyond all of the lower team employees, staffers, everyone else that's tied to this. Which KD and Kyrie are not responsible for. Yeah, but they don't get discussed in how this stuff affects their lives. Yeah, I mean and, it's it's not it's. Look, anybody who has worked with me will say that I can be pretty particular about how I how, you know, I want the the show to sound. What I I just had a conversation with Jacob about the show that he did on Sunday, and I I think it was productive. But and I you know in my position I I you know I, I guess I technically could uh, care less about how Jacob feels about the the feedback that I give him. Um, and, and this goes for everybody. Like if I, if I listen to a show, Kirk just asked me to start listening to some Mavs Moneyball shows. And if I listen to a show, I have to care about how Kirk feels about the feedback. I have to care about the impact of my notes on that person. And, and, and then not just on that person, but on the rest of their feed and, and, and so on and so forth. This idea that like Aaron, um, who I host the, the hook with, uh, always talks about, always sends out, you know, a tweet every so often. And the question at the end of the day is like, did you some, did you do so, do something good for somebody else? Or how did you, how is your existence helping somebody else? And this notion that we don't owe anything to each other or a superstar doesn't owe anything to his teammates. And again, teammates is the word that we're using here, you know, organization mates, coworkers, however you want to frame it, like this, uh, this notion that they only exist to uh, move forward or push forward the things that help them personally. Like, okay, cool. I guess we just and, live in the most cynical version of the world then. Awesome. And, and like part of this too is if there was evidence that, that Sean Marks, and maybe look, here, here's the gap. Maybe Sean Marks is not what we think at all. Yeah. Maybe Sean Marks is like a terrible, toxic person to work with. Maybe yeah. Sean Marks is Maybe like, he's Rob Polinka. <laughs> um, and so like, maybe like all of these things are, we don't see behind the curtain and all of the things that KD knows where he's like, this is not acceptable, blah, 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 blah. We have a public record of events that we can piece together. And if yeah. you understand the league and you follow it closely enough, you can put the pieces together. And the picture's pretty clear, which is that the Nets were sick of Kyrie Irving and decided to stop. And KD's now mad and punishing them for that. Like of all the people in this situation, to yeah. be good to of all of them this you're throwing steve nash under the bus you're throwing yeah. sean marks under the bus guys that make less money than you now right well nash didn't make as much when he was playing like guys that 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 make less money than you that have less control you're throwing them under the bus for this lunatic you've attached yeah. yourself to who has not proven that he is worth let alone deserving of that kind of like it. And here's what's also interesting, Anthony. Okay. So the idea is like, well, it's a business, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to look out for myself because it's a business. Then why is your friendship with Kyrie influencing this? Yeah. If it's a business, do what's best for your business, which is guess what? Winning a title with the Brooklyn Nets. They could trade Kyrie Irving, probably get back enough pieces for them to compete for a title. You can get a top 75 player for him of all time. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, and two and two draft picks probably, but yeah. So, so I I try and be really understanding of all angles in these discussions. And if Sean Marks was bad at it, like no one's arguing against firing Steve Nash. 
like nobody because we all saw that playoff series and we're like, Ooh, Steve Nash is in over his head. Yeah. Like that was pretty apparent, which is what happens when you hire a coach that your players literally called a consultant. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, they're all head coaches there. Like, like now, now you want, like, do you want a coach that's going to come in and dictate things? That's going to tell you when you're, what your rotation is. That's going to, uh, that's going to be a a disciplinarian. That's going to be like an old school kind of like, you don't want that clearly. Maybe you want it for other people, but not you. So if it doesn't affect you, then why does it matter? It was, you didn't think you cared. Like you didn't think it mattered anyway. Well, it's, so there's a clip and I should have clipped it to throw on the show. Um, but there's a clip going around from, I guess now it's a couple of years ago, uh, where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were talking about how they were going to be coached. They were basically negotiating the, the offensive system for everybody listening to that, to that podcast or that Twitch feed or whatever. And, you know, Kyrie's there talking about how I want seven to eight post touches a game. And Kevin Durant is like, oh, I thought it was more like two and a half. And the half being we throw the ball into you, they notice that you have a mismatch, and we kick the ball out to me. Um, and as they're, as they're talking this through and figuring, figuring this out on the fly, I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, this is star empowerment. These two guys are empowered. But the other three guys who are literally going to be on the floor with them probably don't feel great about the fact that like they everybody listening now knows exactly what they're going to be doing offensively. They know exactly right. what they're going to be looking to do. And, and that doesn't really help the three role players who are apparently just going to be standing in the corner while KD and Kyrie take turns. Like that's not that's not an offensive system. And like look, I want to be clear here because um there have always been, I think, people hoping that player slash star empowerment would fail for wrong reasons. I right. think there, there, there are, there are, there are sure. people who um, have been rooting against this uh, in a very disingenuous manner. But I, I, I do think that players over the course of the history of the NBA have earned themselves this right to give this a go. Just like owners thought that coaches had earned themselves the right to give it a go as also GM at the same yeah. time. Uh we just found out with coaches in those positions that it's impossible to be great as a coach and great as an executive. And I think we're learning here that it's impossible to be great as a star player and as an executive at the same time. Those are two, those are two of the most difficult positions in American in- industry. <laughs> so like, there's a very direct line that you can draw here between, Hey, why don't you just play basketball and the guys that make decisions about about the team will make the decisions about the team. There's a very close correlation to that to, Hey, how about you just shut up and dribble? Right. Right. And like, you don't, you definitely don't want to do that. I definitely don't like, I definitely agree. I don't want to come off like that. I think that's like the opposite of what I think it's important. The players view like reflect these views. Right. But the difference though, is there's two different prisms here, which is the role of, of famous athletes in society and the role of literally anyone important in any sort of work structure. And it's always been pretty apparent whether it's, whether it's workplace, academic, uh, military, any of these kinds of environments that you want a separation, a division of role that there are people like you want to empower people to do the jobs they do. Like um, Joe Harris is a, is their spot up shooter. You mm-hmm. should be working to get Joe Harris the best looks possible off right. of the catch to shoot. 
right? You should be working to let people do their jobs to the best of their ability. So when I talk about Steph Curry and Tim Duncan and the difference that they took in, in their approach to their organizations, Tim Duncan wasn't silent in any sort no. of discussions. Greg Popovich would absolutely be like, Timmy, what do you think? Like, yeah. what do you think about this guy? Right? The Warriors absolutely are querying Steph Curry and being like, hey, what do you think? To the point of, you know, hey, Steph, we, we think we're going to probably get rid of uh, Avery Bradley for Gary Payton II. What do you think? No, you shouldn't do that at all. We all love him. Like, you should definitely keep Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley's a winner. What are you doing? God, why didn't they listen to Steph? Assholes. Right? And so, and look, this, <laughs> what's, all, what's interesting is in this is, is I don't, it's unfair to put him as the root because there were players that did this all along including mm-hmm. Jordan, like Jordan had friends on the team, right? Yeah. But a lot of this does come back to LeBron and particularly actually the heat or the not. It wasn't really the heat. I would say it was the Cavs LeBron. Like there were yeah. things he was empowered in, 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 in Miami, but a lot of the reason he didn't resign there was because the heat were like, no, like we don't run our organization like that, man. Like, no, like, yeah. Your guys can't just have jobs. No, like, no, like you can't have everything that you want. We'll give you some stuff, but not everything. We're still going to run the team. Right. And with Cleveland, it was very much the opposite. It was like, whatever, whatever. Up, oh, nope. David Blatt's not the guy. Gone. And well, that, Blatt, yeah, Blatt, that, but it also worked because Platt was a bad coach. Yeah. And Ty Lue was a good well, one. That's, that's the important part here that, look, if, if KD and LeBron made these decisions and these decisions were successful, like if DeAndre Jordan actually was the player that KD and Kyrie thought he was, then we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? If they were actually good in this position, we'd be we'd be sitting here and saying like, "Wow, it's pretty crazy that they're it works that that they're doing this as well as they are." But that's not the case. We're sitting here, and and I'm sitting here, and two years after the Lakers won a championship, um, the Lakers now find themselves fighting to be play in uh, competitive, right? right. And, and now some of that is because I don't think Rob Palenka is particularly good at his job either. And I think some of that has to do with, with, you know, bad luck with, with injuries and stuff. Like those are, those are all, those are factors that we can, we can also mention, but also the devaluation of, of role players. That's a star player thing, man. Like that's, that's with star players always see themselves as, and, and like the Lakers operate this across the organization. Rob Palenka thinking that role players don't matter is something that he heard from Kobe, I would imagine. And and so like the, I mean, this, look, this, this is season, how this is always going to go. I mean, look, this season for the Lakers is honestly it's another test because LeBron's agency clearly dictated the signings. Yeah, like this is a clutch team <laughs> to the yeah. point of it being hilarious. Like it's just really funny how every single time. Well, you mean the Lakers aren't interested in Cam Reddish because uh, he's, just he's been really player. good at basketball. He's just a great player. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's so transparent. And so that's the thing is like, this is, this is a clutch production. And so if, if they're right, you know, and, and I look, I'm not pretty. And by the way, we're seeing the same thing in in New York where it's a CAA production. Like we're eventually, we're just going to start seeing the the New York CAAs versus the Los Angeles clutches. clutches. Like this this is where we're heading. And that's not good for anybody. It just isn't. And, and so, especially the fans. Um, And like a lot of this is, I like, I don't know like how much, uh, I don't know how much Marcus Gasol was a Palenka guy versus a clutch guy. I have my intuition. I have things that have been reported. I have yeah. things that I've heard from people around the league. Right. But 
but like that's a very good example of that should be a player that LeBron was like, I love you, whatever you want. What how you should come with us. Let's go hang out. Do you want to come meet the family? We're yeah. having dinner at my home. Like Dude, they fit so well yeah. before Mark got bought got uh COVID, him and LeBron as like an offensive mind, they were they were so they were but, so this is why uh, lockstep and how well that lo- worked. That, that 2020 21 team, when it was before things fell apart, it worked. Yeah. And so now they've gone the opposite direction. And it's like Lonnie Walker and uh, and 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 all these types of dudes. And, and like we'll see, you know, how this I, goes. I don't like the signing. The more I, the further I get away from the signing, the less I like it. But also, um, I think like a relevant question here is: is are we going to see the same thing? with the Lakers, which is, you know, is a couple of years ago, you were, you and I were arguing about whether or not Rob Palenka should be the executive of the year. And I was like, Anthony's not in charge. Like you can't be, you can't be executive of the year if you're not in charge. And yeah, he also traded like the Lakers. So then it should have gone to LeBron. Yes. The fact that the Lakers traded yes. for Anthony Davis. Yes. <laughs> it should have gone to LeBron. Whoever, and, whoever pulled those strings that led to a championship, I think yes. they should have gotten. Rich Paul deserves that. Like that trophy <laughs> should be in Rich Paul's office. And that's yeah. fine. That's Well, that's maybe the, Rob accepts it on behalf of Rich Paul, right. but then it's like slides it over to him. Right. You just slide it on over to the guy that actually did it. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing is like. Our, wow. Our, this is a really cool trophy. And, and, oh, and, here you go. And this is a little bit different from the Mark situation because we had a history of Mark's being successful. Yeah. And then these two show up and now it's like, oh, he couldn't handle the star. How what do he talk? But with Palinka, like we don't have any history of success outside of the clutch in this position. Yeah. And so if you if you tell me, like, if the Lakers fail this year, should Rob Palinka be fired? I'd be like, well, it doesn't really matter. He probably is. But two, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know yeah. how good Rob Polinka. I don't, I don't necessarily look at, at what he's done or the things he said or his approach and go like, that's a guy that gets it. That mm-hmm. guy, that guy's on top of it. He has one of the best executives in the league. Right. But yeah. I also don't know what was possible given the power constraints he works under. It just, this is how it is when you, I do think that you asked about the question of. According to the alchemist, I would say Polinka is fine. Like if I was to read the Alchemist and then try to analyze sure. Palinka under those, uh, with that as is my my yep. foundation of the an- analysis, I think he's okay. Right. So like you ask me, then you get to chapter two. Chapter two. So you ask me, like, do I think this is the end of the power player empowerment era? I think when we get past this, I think we're probably going to be able to look back and see like. Oh, like there was a bunch of these throughout history and they all were unsuccessful to certain degrees. Yeah. The most interesting one to me, and like this is an outlier opinion because of how like the whole thing shaped out. Mm-hmm. Do you know who was better in 2014 from a basketball perspective between Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith? 2014. Jesus. Uh, I would say Shumpert. Yes. Shumpert was a much better player. On all yeah. levels. Like JR was like starting to trick. Like there was a, a very quiet road out of the league starting to form. And the Cavs were like, went to LeBron and were like, hey, we can get Iman Shumper. And he was like, okay. And they're like, we get JR Smith too. And he was like, great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a dude I can win with. Yeah. And if you pay attention to like all the coverage, then 
basically what happened was JR was brought into La Familia, like the family, like was close with that whole mm-hmm. group. And Iman never did. Now, Iman was out of the league before JR, right? Yeah. So it's like, did did LeBron just know the And JR was phenomenal in that 2016 run. Yeah. Iman like Shumpert was largely just kind of there. And JR was pivotal for that 2016 run. And I was going to go back to that as like a really Well, that's because Cleveland didn't have as good of clubs as New York. That's what... there, there you go. So like there's this there's this question though. Uh in reality like 2016 was when he like actually like he got his, like he and his daughter got very close and like he started like really like he changed a lot about himself. That was a really cool story with JR that season. But Absolutely. but it's a very interesting question of was LeBron right and that's why it worked out? Or was LeBron like all of these other decisions that we've seen and he was wrong, but it worked out yeah. because of the 2000, the way the 2016, if, if, if Draymond doesn't get suspended for game five, if Andrew Bogut doesn't get hurt, if Kyrie misses the shot, like there's all of these ways in which that razor thin justification and validation of LeBron's first effort at building a team. Yeah succeeded based off of the slimmest of margins against what was ultimately like one of the best teams of all time that couldn't get it done. Like that's a fascinating question to kind of ponder because if you are a player empowerment, sorry, star empowerment advocate, your answer is these guys know better. These are the best players in the world. What are you to question how good these guys are at their jobs, which is they know basketball and they know what they need on the court. Yeah. It's just that the, they the know a version of basketball and like, the vet and the vast track record simply does not suggest that that's the case. <laughs>